There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Hey everyone, it's Paige Harlock, Manager of Youth Programming and Partnerships at Canada's LGBT Plus Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Hey Paige Harlock, are you here to celebrate Pride Month with us? Oh, you bet I am, Rick Spence. Entrepreneurs, get ready to tune in every Tuesday this month to celebrate Canada's LGBT Plus entrepreneurs. Through the month, we will speak to four inspiring LGBT plus entrepreneurs to tell us their stories, celebrate their contributions, and honor their experiences and accomplishments. A huge thank you to CGLCC for partnering with us on these shows. Stay tuned all month and look for a complete resource guide for LGBT plus entrepreneurs at www.startupcan.ca. And be sure to tune in wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday at 10 a.m. ET to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Nafel Testouni. Beginning his career in the nonprofit sector as general manager for ISIC in Morocco, Nafel provided young people with leadership development and cross-cultural global internships. He later transferred to the ISIC United States in New York City and managed the expansion into Bahrain, Qatar, and the UAE through a US government grant of over $1 million. He then took on the interim COO's role and managed a team of 10 people with a budget of $4 million. Nafel joined Microsoft Middle East and Africa as Regional Program Coordinator, managing the Microsoft Software Donation Program for Internet Safety and Security. He also managed relationships with crucial Microsoft partners in the region, like the World Bank and the United States Agency for International Development. After two years at Microsoft, Nafel moved to Montreal to join tech startups. He started at Tandem Launch Technologies, where he built relationships with university tech transfer offices around the world. At his last company, Naufel was head of business development at Local Logic. Today, Naufel is the co-founder and CEO of QueerTech, an organization that aims to queer the tech ecosystem by breaking down barriers, creating spaces, and connecting communities to support and empower 2S LGBTQ plus folks. Welcome to the show, Naufel. 
Now, Phil, to start off, the question we usually ask is, what are the top pieces of advice that you want entrepreneurs to take away from our conversation today? Absolutely. Well, given the, the, the type of conversation we're going to have, I, I would recommend that, you know, um, the top advice I will have for all the entrepreneurs is that you want to start your diversity strategy on day one. Um, you know, we talk a lot about finding a co-founder that doesn't look like you. Uh, look for um, an executive um, on your team that doesn't look like you. And if you start there, um, I think it can impact a lot your, your company and, and where you can take it. Fantastic. And QueerTech has really grown a lot um, in, since the early days. On your website, you mentioned that you started hosting kind of casual meetups before becoming what QueerTech is today. What were some of those meetups like and what did you find some of the defining moments uh, where that kind of made you realize QueerTech needed to become something a little bit bigger? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've been in tech for about 12 years now. And yeah. You know, I was very involved volunteering in the ecosystem. I'm on the board for an organization called New Montreal New Tech, and and so my initial goal, you know, I was I was going to events, hosting events, talking and and asking about the community, and I rarely get a hand up of of people who are LGBTQ, and it was just. It didn't feel normal that there were not other people in the room like that. Yeah. And so um, as um, you know, one day I was like, you know what, why don't we uh, try and, and launch something? And, and I met my co-founder, Andy, who actually was running this initiative in, in, uh, in New York. And he was like, great, you know, why don't you launch a meetup and, and see where it goes? And so um, October 2016, I decided to do the first event. And um, I was like, you know what, let's do a town hall because, you know, I, I want to connect with other people, but what are the other needs that the community have? And so that first town hall, we had 56 people that came in to the event. I was already really um, surprised. That was more than I've seen in the last five years. I was in text. I was like, wow, you, you all exist. <laughs> you're here. Yeah, you're here, you know? And so, um, like, you know, any entrepreneur, the first thing you want to do is, is understand uh, the people that you serve. And so that town hall was really talking about, you know, what are some of the challenges, why people were not coming to the events and, and what do they want queer tech to be? And, and, you know, things that came out of that conversation was people were just looking for a, for a safe space to meet and connect. And a lot of time they feel that they go to this event and they were alone. And so they felt uncomfortable in that environment and so uh you know they wanted to have discussions and start that conversation how do we uh increase our representation in the tech sector mm -hmm. and so and so that was really kind of like the beginning and so for two years we've done a lot of meetups where uh we've had conversation around diversity and inclusions we've had conversation around you know how to hire from our community why lgbtq people are not working in tech and so it was really a lot of um, um, interesting content that we were doing. And um, in, uh, two years later, we became around a thousand people. Um, this is just in Montreal only. So you see, it was already a huge community that have grown and realized that actually we are a lot more than I thought we are. And so 
Um, you know, we're starting to have a lot of companies coming to us to sponsor the meetups or the events we're doing. And so on August 1st, uh, 2018, we incorporated QueerTech as a nonprofit. And, and that was a big defining moment because we moved from this is just going to be a side project that I'm doing to actually making it official um, and starting really thinking about what does that mean for me and for this organization and how do we want to drive it forward? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I used to work in tech for a little while. And honestly, I, I saw that as well. There weren't many queer folks that I knew. There weren't many folks that um, were like me in the tech sector. So it's really nice to see that, I mean, somebody new took hold of this and kind of brought folks together. I think that's something that I really would have liked when I worked in, in tech. I think it would have been wonderful to have. Absolutely. Now, Phil, can you give us sort of a, a quick scan of what uh, queer tech looks like today? Uh, I think you're still in Montreal, but I think you have some plans to get beyond that. Um, and, uh, you know, um, how did you survive COVID and what, what do you see as the way forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 2018 was a big celebration for us and 2019 was a great year where we continued to grow the, the community. Uh, beginning of, 20, uh, 20, of 2020, we had about, you know, probably about 2,000 members by then. And I was sitting to really starting to have big goals for queer tech and and then COVID hit and and as an organization that's mainly funded by private sector so sponsorship um, we've seen our budget go to zero uh, we woke up one morning and it was just all the money was blocked and gone it was the beginning of the year when when usually our funding comes through and so it was it was a big moment for us and and our board you know we had an, an emergency board meeting and and starting to think well what does that mean for us and you know there were two options on the table do we pause queer tech until the pandemic ends whenever how long that will take and we resume our activities later or do we want to create a new plan and and move things virtually and figure out what we want to do and so for me it was like if we pause it today it's that um, it's just it's very hard to build on a momentum once you lose it and people kind of go their way. So we really kind of put it, let's say, you know what, we don't have funding, but the good thing with virtual event, we don't need that much funding. Um, so uh, we decided to move and start doing our event virtually. We launched a program that we'll talk about later called QT Care, which was about financial, physical and mental health of the community. And we just did a call to the community and say, hey, we want to help. These are the things from a survey we've done that the community needs. Let's do it. And so, um, and so we started to do all these events. And, and, and it was amazing to see how we started growing so fast. I'm starting to see this number of people signing up to all these events and, and on our website. And they were not in Montreal. They're all from Toronto. They are from Sadbury, Ontario, Tenderboard, Halifax, you know, uh, Kelowna. So I'm like, wow, this is like, this is great. So all it's starting to show that the need wasn't just in Montreal, that it's, it's, it's across the country. And so as I started to engage with our community, we realized that actually people have, Felt not connected to the community, especially when they are not in a big hub like Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. And so our community grown. Today, we are 6,900 people wow. across the country. Congratulations. That's, That's incredible. Nice. During that time, what did you find the, the community needed most? Like what, what kind of gaps were you filling during the, the pandemic and moving forward from there? Yeah, so the first three months of the pandemic, everyone was trying to figure out, do I have a job? 
Mm-hmm. How do I get money from the government if I don't have a job? And how do I interpret all these things? And so a lot of people were coming to us and say, hey, do you know someone I can talk to? So we started to do webinars. We brought some experts who are familiar with um, all the policies and the funding that was coming through. And so we really supported the community on, on, on just understanding how to survive and, and make sure that they have an income um, and stay, especially that a lot of data have shown that, you know, um, a lot of people, people from the community have been impacted by COVID um, either because they lost their jobs or they had their hours reduced um, during that time. And so that was the first part that we've really focused on. The second point we realized is that while we were stuck at home, people were really looking to connect with community. Um, and so we started to do um, physical uh, trainings with, uh, we had like different uh, coaches and volunteers from our community that were doing uh, Zoom um, aerobics and yoga and workouts. And so people were connecting. We had someone who started volunteering to do meditation, a group meditation. So these were things that we, we started to see, you know, people were really needing to do. And so that was the first phase of the pandemic. As the year 2020 was ending and 2021 starting, and we all thought that the pandemic was going to be over and we're going to go back to in-person, the next thing people were starting to look is, okay, this is the time for me to go back to a job. And so, you know, as we talked to to the community, they were asking us, hey, do you know companies? And so that's when we said, okay, the next step for us is how do we support the community to connect with all these partners that we have? That's awesome. That's really Uh, awesome. Your mission uh, as it says, is to queer the tech ecosystem. I'm just wondering if you can walk us through what this means and why you think that tech in particular needs this kind of tough love. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting, and, and I get this question a lot. And, and so before I dive into Ensign, you know, one of the things I, uh, I, I have statistics that I like to share, right? There is nothing better than data to really uh, paint a picture. But I tell a lot of uh, people I talk to that, you know, the fact that same-sex marriage is legal in this country, the fact that an employer cannot fire someone who's LGBTQ because we're protected by the law, doesn't mean that LGBTQ people are thriving in Canada. And that's either in tech sector or other sectors. And, and statistics have shown. So Quirtech have started the research study that we're doing in collaboration with the University of Montreal and Concordia University. And uh, to really understand a little bit some of the challenges. And, and so we did a literature review to see what's out there and what's the data telling us before we dive into this research. And we find that um, a lot of the research that's been done have already shared that 57% of LGBTQ people said that they are not fully out at work. Mm-hmm. 5% of queer people working in Canada do not find their workplace to be inclusive. are reluctant to apply for certain jobs because how they identify. And then we looked at also some entrepreneur data, right? So 20% of LGBTQ business owners face barriers due to this uh, discrimination and under 1% of VC funding go to LGBTQ founder. This is a US, this specific last one is mainly in the US. We do not have that data in Canada, but we imagine it's somewhere uh, similar. And also 37% of LGBTQ entrepreneurs choose not to be out or out themselves to their investors. So we see the numbers are huge on, on how people feel about being out and um, at work. Why it's important? Because other data also showed that 
people who are not out at work really live through a lot of stress uh, and, and it really uh, impact negatively their, their career and, and how, especially early on. Um, and so querying the tech ecosystem, you know, for us, it means that we want to increase LGBTQ representation in tech and we want to create these opportunities where our community can access tech jobs. Uh, they can, uh, we want to see them advance their career into leadership and executive role. We want to make sure that they feel comfortable enough to come out to their employer and, and really be able to, to thrive. And, and eventually, you know, for us, ultimately, we want to see more LGBTQ entrepreneurs and founders in this country. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that, that is awesome. And I mean, working at, I work at uh, Canada's LGBT plus Chamber of Commerce, and we've done a lot of studies on entrepreneurs and how they feel about coming out. And we realized that um, I believe more than one third um, of entrepreneurs have lost opportunities due to being a part of the, the queer community. Um, so I guess my question to you is, in your opinion, when it comes to the tech space, which is kind of known for being a little bit more traditional, do you find still now that employees are a little bit nervous or fearful to be themselves, especially those who are part of the, the 2S LGBTQ plus community? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because when you think about the tech sector, you think that we, we live in the future, right? We, we are creating the future. We're creating all this new technology and we should be so progressive and, 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 and understanding of a lot of these um, uh, issues, but um, but we also live in you know we we live in a society and, and in an industry that's very traditional, and it's because of the long history it has, right? Um, we uh, we know that you know I mean the, the main problem we're looking at is, is the patriarchy. We live in society that's been run by men for men, and and so um, you know and and this country has been run by white heterosexual men that they hold the power, they hold the access to opportunities and, um, you know, and suppressed a lot of minority communities and women, right? And so, um, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of work on, that needs to be done for um, today, like people feel very comfortable to come to a workplace and, and come out and be fully authentic uh, to themselves and, and, and people around them without jeopardizing their their income and, and their opportunities. Mm -hmm. And how do you think understanding kind of the root of the problem uh, could change how we go about solving this kind of issue? Yeah, so, you know, I believe that, you know, we know what the problem is. So as, as I, I think we've worked enough, worked hard, and I think today as a society in general, we know, and as, as an industry, as a tech industry, we know what the problem is. And I think the solution is a little bit complex because what we're looking to do is we're looking at rethinking how do we distribute wealth and power in this country, mm -hmm. right? And so it's it's we need to find solution how to do that. And and it's hard because the people who hold the wealth and the power don't want to let go of it. So so I think there is there is a lot of work how to creatively redo that. And I think we're seeing a lot of initiatives from the federal government. There is a lot of work that companies are doing to do that. And 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 I think we are moving in the right direction. Um, but it's a it's it's a hard bubble that we need to continue doing. I would agree. I, I, I've got to ask now, Phil. What, what do you think? Um, the entrepreneurs listening to us, those who who, who have who may not be gay or queer, but uh, identify with these communities and would like to be helpful. Um, what, what would you like to see them do? How could they 
begin the process of change uh, in, in, in their own office? Absolutely. So, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work around, um, like we talk a lot about DNI, and I think it can easily become performative, right? Or, or meaningless because, um, you know, we, people like to add it on their values and put it on their websites. But what we've seen is that there is three key things that an entrepreneur needs to be thinking about as they're building their company, right? Continuously improve your HR policy. So institute a non-discrimination policy, anti-harassment policy, uh, anti-harassment policies, anti-racism policies. Like these are very important, you know, create domestic partner benefits around the beginning when you're getting your insurance for all your employees, amend your gender binary forms, create gender neutral bathroom. These are things that you can start doing from the beginning, right? And to attract the communities and, and support these communities. Um, uh, you know, there is also like partnering with organizations like QueerTech or other organizations to talk about your community and be part of this other community, either the Black community, Indigenous community, different women groups. This is how you start building that relationship from early on in order for you to be able to um, you know, build successful teams that we know diverse teams have, have a great rate of success and, and can have a huge impact on the development of the product and the bottom line of the company. Right. Right off the start, Naufel, you, you said, hey, founders, don't hire a co-founder who looks like you. Yeah. Do you have an, an example from, 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 from your network or your experience you could share with us about how diversity um, actually en enhances organizations, how having those extra points of view, the, 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 those, those different starting points uh, can make a company smarter, more resilient, more successful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there are so many examples. Um, you know, in Montreal, we talk a lot about Lightspeed, uh, where the founder, um, Dax De Silva, came in and, and, and you know, really we talked and, and he came to Quirtech. We talk a lot about events, you know, why it's important to do that. When you look at that company, you see that they have a lot of diversity and a lot of people they see that inspiration of someone who is executive or CEO at the company. So they've attracted a lot of people who are from communities that a lot of tech companies can attract, you know, people who are um, um, either people of color uh, or, uh, you know, LGBTQ or both. So we're seeing this example and, and I've seen, you know, it's interesting because um, LGBTQ entrepreneurs that I talk to all the time think about this diversity and I find it that it's more in their DNA than, than, than other non-LGBTQ um, um, entrepreneurs. And, 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 and it's interesting. I think women also, we've seen data shows that women are also more uh, in tune when they are founders or in executive teams to really hire that diversity. And these companies are very successful. So, you know, we have success models out there and, and, and you know, it's a little harder to do. And, and I know when you're launching a company, finding someone is your priority number one and sometimes it's easy just to 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 connect with the first person that comes through the door for you to launch that company with but if you take a little moment and, and also find the right networks to go to um and, and communities to to connect with then then you're going to increase your your opportunity to to meet people who are not like you but it does take that effort because sometimes we all feel a little uncomfortable in a community that we're not part of sounds like you're saying that being different can be a superpower Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think we, we know that. I think we all, you know, like as humans in general, we all have our 
um, our our power that comes uh, with us. And, you know, different communities have um, different experiences, right? And I think that's what's important when, when you're building a company and building um, a product is that um, people from certain communities have certain experiences and have certain perspective in life that you might not have, you know? I, I, I will never have a perspective of what a woman live in this in this world or in this country is like right i would never know what an indigenous person are i don't, i can hear the experiences they have and i can try and understand it but i don't live it and i think that's the difference that makes a team really rich is having people come from these experiences and these backgrounds and coming together to build you know products that are usually for 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 society fantastic and for folks looking to kind of uh, looking for new communities, looking to hire from uh, different backgrounds or folks who have different experiences, where would you suggest that they look or what would you suggest they be a part of and get involved in? Yeah, so, you know, there is um, starting with building a list of communities. I know that different organizations do that. Uh, like, for example, coming to Queer Tech, we do have a lot of resources that we can support in connecting with LGBTQ organizations. I know that there is um, a lot of groups that have created lists for uh, connecting with indigenous organizations. Um, we also have that. Anyone can reach out to us. I'm happy to share them. And, and you know, there's a lot of groups around women groups. I also, you know, recommend a lot of um, people to start looking at... Um, different also like the government has a lot of centers where supporting the newcomers right in terms of finding jobs and stuff like that there is refugee centers that we don't think about these are different networks that you know people move to this country uh and and look for jobs and they bring a wealth of experience and uh, and perspective that we don't have here and so um you know taking advantage of that is would, would be a great impact for for the company they're trying to launch can we get back to queer tech for a moment i want to talk you do what you you mentioned you know, you do a lot of different programs. I'm just wondering if you can tell us, uh, you know, about some of them. What have, what have been fun, innovative, or particularly successful? You've got Connect Cafes, Pride Hackathons, Career Boards. What, what, what do you think is really working? Absolutely. So the first thing we've done, um, and, and it took us a little way to really define the audience that we wanted to serve. That was, that became when, when we started, when we created the nonprofit and, and when you were doing all these events, but it became like the question is like, who are we serving? And, and we um, defined three audiences for Queer Tech. One, we said, you know what, as an organization, we want to help queer people who are outside of the tech industry and want to make it, want to enter uh, the tech industry and so um and we can help them in different ways and i'll talk about the programs that we do then we identify we said you know what it's not what we need to see also is queer people who are advancing their career in tech and their leadership roles and executive roles we don't want everyone to just have a junior role or have a support role we want to really have people up uh, there because those people can also impact the change. And ultimately, we really what we want to see is queer people who are uh, looking to launch and scale their tech businesses or tech enabled businesses. And so once we define these three, we start to look at the programs we have and, and we've launched some to really adjust that. So our career program, which is a workforce development program that we launched at the beginning of 2021, um, the goal was to really connect our community to our 
partners so they can either get jobs and enter the tech industry or advance their career and and uh and you know we do that through um you know we have a a, a qt conference and job fairs that we do twice a year we have a job boards we do an allyship training so these are ways that we've seen really will help the first two audiences to um achieve um their goals also of getting into tech or advancing their career then you know qt connect is, is a program that you know we have always existed is our meetups that we've done but during the pandemic we've created the qt connect cafe which are live stream interviews that i do with different uh, queer people who are in tech and and the goal here was to create more visibility for our community so we can inspire people to get into tech and advance their career in tech these interviews are really rich in talking about career progression and challenges people are facing and how they dealt with it how did they come out to their work and what was their experience so really helping people understand that and and then you know we're the second um, initiative part of that program is our meetups that we do and now we're you know launching our meetups in toronto and vancouver so we continue to grow the community and um and and and, and supporting them awesome. tell me about the hackathons though i mean oh, yeah. yes. what's different about a pride hackathon i presume the food's going to be better and the ideas will be <laughs> it does we we do uh, we do great shows we have drag queens coordinating everything it's really cool hackathons they are not the same as your regular tech hackathons but one of the one of the things that came from the town hall that i've done is that a lot of people from our communities wanted to give back and so a lot of people who are already in tech said you know i know how to code how can i help and we said you know what there are so many organizations that serve the LGBTQ community that are very important to our community. They're, uh, uh, they're, they're a key element to, 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 to the health and, and the well-being of this community. Why don't we start looking at the issues they have and can support them? Um, and at the same time, as, as we get to know these nonprofits, they also promote queer tech and we're finding also new people who are want to get into tech and, 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 and didn't know where to go. And so uh, it was really great win-win situation where we support in this nonprofit. And so now we're doing our sixth edition in Montreal this year, which is going to be in July 28 and 30. But we're also launching our first Pride Hacks in Toronto that's going to be during Pride Month in June 16 to 18. Awesome. And you have a lot of initiatives happening. There's there's so much going on for you. What is kind of the impact that you've seen come out of queer tech's programs and offerings? And would you be able to provide maybe a specific example? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is this is a great question, and 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 we think about it as as a nonprofit that you know serve a community. We always think, what is the impact we're having? And and we we have some some great statistics that we've already been collecting. So, for example, since we launched our career programs, where it was doing, um, we've done three job fairs so far in the last eighteen months. We have over hundred people that have reported to us, or their company reported to us that they've hired through queer tech, uh, or so either they were people who are not in tech and got into tech, or um, they've been able to advance their career. And so that was amazing for us. This is a hard metric to track because it's self-reporting, right? So we um, we continuously talk with our partners and community to tell us if they got jobs. They all share a lot of great stories with us. Uh, QT Connect Cafe had 
way more impact than than we've envisioned it in the beginning you know when we launched it it was about telling the stories bringing the visibility and and inspiring people right just to advance their career in tech but what we realized for example so many of our community members came back to us and say great you know i've just watched this story and and i just decided to come out to my colleagues today because i saw from all these people talking that you know, it's it's not that bad. And this is a way I learned how I can do it with people. And so those are great impact number because it shows we're really contributing to those statistics that we mentioned earlier on how we are going to be improving uh, the livelihood of LGBTQ people. And then Pride Hacks, um, I mean, Pride Hacks impact thousands and thousands and, uh, of people through all the um, capacity building and technology that we're providing to these nonprofits. And so we're continuous to do that so we can increase their capacity so they can deliver faster services, more services to the community. You know, I'm such a big believer in community groups coming together, whatever, you know, <laughs> however you want to define community and trying to make things better and create outreach and generate new ideas and outcomes that, that don't happen when we sit at home and don't interact. Um, wondering what advice you would have for people in any communities and in, in anywhere across Canada um, about, you know, if they're feeling like they could do better as a group if they if they if they if, if they're tired of sitting at home because of the pandemic and you know are are dying to 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 do something to participate with others how how does one go about starting a group like this well i've always believed that it'll be crazy to think that we can just exist alone in a bubble and do things <laughs> on our own i you know it's just it's we've learned from this pandemic as much as we were all um, sitting in our home alone it even created a bigger need for community. And, and I think, you know, people sometimes, you know, we think you're creating a community doesn't mean that you have to uh, solve world hunger or, uh, or create peace on the planet, right? You know, community can... That was be- my next question. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll give you a wonderful example. My, my landlord, who's also my neighbor and live upstairs, started this group in our neighborhood that every end of May, uh, they dress up in flower costumes and they plant uh, sunflowers across the neighborhood. And he started it on his own in the beginning and he had two people who joined him. And now every year there is like more and more people that join. And so he's creating this community of people who love to make our neighborhood green. And, and so they all come together and they dress up in, uh, you know, funny uh, plant costumes and, and <laughs> plant sunflowers everywhere. And, and then they created a map. And so ask people, hey, if there is a sunflower in front of your house, would you like to adopt it? Which means just watch over it. We already fence <laughs> it and everything, but sometimes people will, you know, break them or it dies and we can come and plant another one. You can water it if it's hot and doesn't rain. And, and so he started... And so people love the idea. Everyone was like, yeah, I'll adopt. There is one front of my house. Oh, there is three here. I mean, and so you're creating this sense of community in the neighborhood and people starting to talk about this. And, and so it made it great. And so we started to ask the city to plant more things. And so now we have, you know, during the summer, we, we have a huge spaces where the city comes and, and plant and, and, and create green spaces. And so, you know, that's a very simple thing. They didn't have to 
do anything huge, just kind of started something like this. What do you think was the best single thing that you did to, uh, you know, get people out, to get people involved, to get people to sign on? I always believed that when I created this event, it wasn't my event. It was not just for me. It was for us. And so doing the town halls are also important because I'm like, look, um, we're doing this for us and it's the responsibility of all of us. And it's been amazing. A lot of queer tech have not been where we are if people didn't volunteer and helped organizing this event. And there were months where people are like, oh, are we having a meetup? And I'm like, I can't do it this month. I, you know, I, I had a full-time job. I'm working and someone says like, well, can I help? I'm like, yeah, here is, here is the notes, how you can organize the event, go and do it. And, and people will do it. You know, they'll contact a company, they'll host it, they'll find a panel and, and, and they moderate themselves or present something. And, and so it's really just kind of enabling people to be able to support and do these things is very important. And also asking. I, I never shy away from asking around like, hey, I need help with this. Can you do it? Like, I don't have time for it or I don't know how to do it. And, and it surprised you how, how much people want to help. So yeah. just to get them involved, it activates them in a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Once someone does the first event, they get that bug that they love it. You know, there is, there is like you feel a sense of fulfillment by putting something together, bringing people together and standing on stage and being like, you know, let's have this conversation and, and people feel empowered by it. And, and, and then they, you know, that's, I mean, that's how we build a huge army of volunteers. And I mean, it's wonderful that you're bringing folks together. You're creating these inclusive spaces for folks. I'm wondering at Queer Tech, what kind of policies are in place to ensure that you have those inclusive spaces and more places for folks? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's we, Quirtech has been a volunteer organization from the beginning until four months ago, starting in January, I joined full time the organization. My, uh, and Andy, my co founder, moved from New York City, Brooklyn to Montreal. So, both of us, this is the first time the organization have two full time employees. So, it's really exciting wow. for us to even envision all the different things that we want to do. But as a community, from the get-go, we've always had policies on sexual harassment. Uh, and, and we have zero tolerance. We have a process if something happened for people. Uh, and, and we also had the code of conduct for our community. And, and uh, we've never been as shy to say, you know what? I'm sorry, but if you behave this way, then you are not welcome in that space. And you are not going to be disrupting the environment of other people uh, here. And, and we, we believed in that. And, um, and we've acted on it, you know, and we've asked also the community you know I, I make it a point to ask people like how are things going did you face something if you face something tell us if you don't tell us we don't know and then the problem becomes bigger so uh, it, it's also being just creating that space for people to you know complain if they want to complain I'm like it's fine just complain to me and <laughs> I get it. sometimes you don't like the food and I can sometimes we try to improve on sometimes that but sometimes something more serious happened and all of these are great feedback that help us improve the organization mm -hmm. right. and you mentioned a code of conduct how did you come up with that code of conduct was it you and your co-founder or did you include different community members what did that process look like yeah so the first thing we did is we looked at what's out there um, and uh, Andy my co-founder was actually executive director of New York Tech Alliance, which is the largest meetup in the world in New York City. 
and was very familiar with, with a lot of um, uh, these policies. He also had them for the community in New York. So we had already a blueprint that we looked at. Uh, we've always involved the community. So what, the same thing we've done for creating our mission and values and the direction of the organization. You know, we say, you know, we're working on this. Who wants to come? It's going to be from Saturday from two to four and, you know, come over and, and help and, and usually a bunch of people will show up and say, great, you know, I've never done this, but, you know, let's do it together. And we Google things, we see what other organization doing, we look at it and we say, well, what is it important to us here? And, and then that get us started with the conversation. That's awesome. Googling things is important. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Like that's, I feel like that's the start to anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. In, 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 in a world of diversity and tolerance, I've got a, an incorrect question to ask you. You've worked in a lot of different places, starting in North Africa and in and, and the Middle East and, and uh, uh, the United States. How are Canadians, or in particular Montrealers, how are they at coming together and working together and having a good time doing it? How good are they at that? We're really good at it. I, 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 you know, yeah, I, for someone who moved many countries and lived in different places. I thought Montreal was gonna be another pit stop for me for two, three years. And I was like, maybe I'll move and experience another city. And um, I've been here for 11 years. So uh, it's a testament that the city just won me back. And, and, and I find that it has the best of so many worlds. Um, you know, like looking at Toronto or New York, I never lived in Toronto, but I thought I was gonna move there. But I lived in New York City and I love these two cities and what they have to offer. But I also loved, you know, living in Morocco and how it was laid back or in, in Turkey. And so when I came to Montreal, it was just, it was great to have that environment. I also find um, uh, a huge queer community uh, in Montreal. And, and, and I think that also impacts, you know, how people think and, and, and work in the city. I'm, I'm glad to hear all that. That's great. What's next? for you and queer tech now fell what are you most looking forward to yeah well um i think right now my biggest learning is how to be a great ceo and and grow this community and this organization i'm, I'm new to this role so it's really exciting even if i've done it before i used to have a full-time job i was more of a community organizer so transitioning from from that into like having a hat of a CEO and what that means for the community is, 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 is I'm looking forward. And, and the big thing is, you know, starting to expand queer tech in, in the rest of Canada. We're launching Toronto. We're launching Vancouver later this year. We're looking to expand to many other cities. So I'm just really excited to um, continue meet queer people in, 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 people in the tech industry and different tech ecosystems. I truly, I'm so excited that you're coming to Toronto. It's something that I'd really like to be a part of. So I will keep an eye out for when those meetups happen because I think what you're doing is, is amazing. Um, I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but I just had one kind of final question for you. Um, what is the most actionable piece of advice um, entrepreneurs can take away from this conversation and implement in their business right now? Absolutely. As you know, the, the one thing I, when we started earlier, I was like, think about your diversity strategy um, from the beginning. This is don't wait for your company to grow, um, um, you know, for diversity to be, you know, a lot of people wait until diversity is an issue in their company or they've grown so much that they are trying to solve it. And, you know, I believe that your the survival 
of a startup or a tech company really depends on how diverse is their team. And, and bringing those unique perspectives will really help and serve them well the moments they need it the most. And I think if you don't have that, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you're missing. And that's really the message I have for every entrepreneur is find those people from the beginning. It will change the trajectory of your company. That's beautiful. Change the trajectory of your company and probably your life when you open your mind and your eyes to these opportunities of new people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a phrase that that, that I've used before, which is that, that to try and get people to become better networkers. And it's every new person is an adventure. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it's true. And I'm really impressed with all your adventures and everything you've accomplished. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for being here now, fella. It's been so wonderful to, to chat with you um, and can't wait to see what's next for queer tech as you expand and grow um, and have a huge impact on the, on the tech world and beyond that. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me and having me today. Wishing you all the best of luck. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.